This is Gigi Sabat, and you're listening to the Walk With Me podcast. My guest today is David Wolf. He's the founder and CEO of Audivida Studios. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, and I just have to tell you, it's Audivida. You're not the first person to trip over it. In fact, I still do it. But anyway, back to you. I love it. I love it. Now, tell us a little bit more about you and where are you from? So from and where I am are two different places. Uh, Chicago, Illinois, north side. I uh, grew up in suburban Skokie, which has been in the news over the years. Uh, not in, in a not so favorable light, but we can get to that later. I was um, uh, moved through Dallas during the 80s. In the mid 80s, we moved to Dallas. And, uh, and then today, and over the last 30 years, we have been located in um, uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. So we're in the high desert now. So I love it. Now, tell us a little bit more about what inspired you to help others with their audiobooks and their podcasts. Well, I can tell you that it's, it's, it's been a long, circuitous path, and that might be the best way to contextualize all of this. And then we can do that deep dive I know you love to do. So um, I started out as a musician. So I'm essentially a creative soul from the beginning. And from age 11, I was a drummer and then a keyboard player. And then eventually learned how to write and produce uh, music for radio, television, and film. And it, it was in the advertising part of that business and did stuff for children's programming. I so did songwriting. I did scoring. I worked with filmmakers. I did all that stuff. And in the eighties, after I got married, uh, eight, 1985 to be exact, we moved to Dallas, Texas and created studios, uh, one in Santa Fe and one in Al and sorry, Dallas, where, where am I? And, um, and, produced music for hire for companies and brands and so forth. So the business and me functioning in the business and um, uh, was really largely born in my uh, desire to express myself musically and make good money doing it. I had already worked as, as a musician for many years, a freelance musician at weddings and bar mitzvahs and all those sorts of things. Now, when I decided to embark and learn the business of scoring to picture and working with ad agencies and so forth, that was a, a, a leap into a higher strata in terms of my income, but still the desire to express myself musically was really at the core of all of that. So much like writers or authors or anyone who writes anything, it was all about me writing stuff and, and keeping it interesting for myself and for anyone who would care to pay me to do it. So this is the plight of the artist, the commerce and the artist thing. So I found a, a nice mix and we did that for about 20 years. My wife ran the studios, like the front office and I was in the studio. And so this is all leading to your question. So when I turned 40 for reasons I don't still, I, I st I'm still processing. I, I needed to, I felt a need to leave the business. Uh, uh, the music business and the, the my need to express myself through commercial art really dissipated. And I felt like, man, you know what? I need to try something different. So I started doing real estate investing and I did some other things. I, uh, I did a business turnaround with what, what was a family commercial bakery business, if you can believe it. It had nothing to do with media or production. I just had had it with, you know, I just needed to do something different and explore a different facet of my own capabilities. So I moved the family to Albuquerque, where we are now, which is where I'm speaking to you from. This was in the year, roughly the year 2000. The business I took over, it turned out, was a, uh, it was a bagel bakery. It was a regional bagel bakery that was serving New Mexico retail and wholesale. So it was selling frozen and fresh to stores and Cisco Foods and Shamrock and U.S. Food Service. And so it had sort of a commercial B2B function, and it also had some amount of retail. 
Um, I, I got spectacularly good at choosing bad locations for retail operations, but that's another story. So I ran that as the CEO for about eight or nine years, um, turned it around. There was a certain amount of satisfaction in, in having done that. My brother took that business over and, um, and, and I exited it. And then at that point, I began to re-enter the business that we're now in, which is helping people get their voice out to the world through spoken word, recording, production, et cetera. Um, and so that's really the evolution of it. The thing, the shift for me was rather than getting the satisfaction in the expression of the art for commerce, it was in building a team, which we now have, four plus me. We call ourselves the Fab Five. This is the management team for Autovita. And um, the business shifted from being all about me writing something to everyone else writing and doing things and us just facilitating them through the talents of others. So at the core, and like a lot of businesses, and you'll understand this, we're really a sales organization that leverages the talent of the people that we've assembled and sort of aggregated to provide services for our clients. So, so the inspiration now, there, you, you spoke about it less in terms of like a business model and sort of the shift from. David-centric, it, now it's completely not about me. When I so-called make sales calls or have conversations with people about the services we, for the services we provide for people, it's, it's always me raving about our team and the talents of others. So that's been the big shift for me, uh, to be quite honest. And so, um, you know, that's really it. Uh, today, I'll just end by saying, I do have a tremendous, uh, I get a tremendous amount of pleasure and satisfaction from knowing we're helping people get their voice, their, their art into the world in meaningful ways for them, whether it's business, whether it's a hobby, whether it's a memoir, um, you know, we have an audiobook and a podcast side to our business. So we're really doing both. And there are cross pollinations between those, but both sides of those, both modalities are very much about helping people get their voice into the world. So I love it. Tell us a little bit more about the challenges you face in business. So um, I guess I could talk about the, I, there's a few different stories I could tell around that, um, um, Gigi. So, so in the jingle and the music production business, I, I sort of telegraphed this a little bit earlier. The, the challenge there was the business was all about me doing it. And so if I wasn't in the studio producing a piece of music, there wasn't income being generated. And I did desire even during that period, once I had established myself in the Dallas market, which is where we were, uh, uh, with some uh, with considerable amount of success, we, had, we got to a point where the clients were just calling us. We were to the to-go for our clients and there wasn't a lot of selling going on. It was just the, sort of the momentum of the business carrying itself forward. Um, while there was a lot of pleasure in me doing it all, I did have a desire and actually did explore what we'll call, what we now call scaling, bringing in some other composers and talent, but the structure of the business, the way it had started, it, it was just never going to work. It was always about me all the time. So that became an interesting sort of conundrum. Uh, in a creative services business where it is born in your ability to do X, you know, it's really hard to scale that, right? Because you, you're the person and everybody wants to talk to you. Everybody wants to work with you. And it's really hard to decouple myself from the brand and the, as the face of the business. So I'll say that. Um, in the bagel business, there were considerable challenges. And uh, before we were rolling, I, I told you a little bit about I've gone to the dark side on podcasts. So I did a show with someone a few years ago talking about the challenges of this bagel business. This was a family business that had gone bankrupt. It was started by a cousin of mine 
They grew it to seven, seven retail stores, some amount of wholesale. And um, at peak, it was doing about 3.2-ish million. So it was a nice size, small business. And so me coming out of the music thing, I was like, well, this is great. I get to scale all day long because now I'm making an edible, consumable widget all day, right? So that sounded very appealing to me in a world where every time, you know, the, the door rang, you know, somebody knocked on my door, I had to write something. So now I was relieved of having to write under pressure on a deadline. I'll just create this business with all these people. And every day the assembly line, the assembly line rolls and we're creating these edible widgets and every day they need more. And it was, it sounded great on paper. So um, the good news was, and this isn't so much a challenge, but I'd learned from, you know, I, I transitioned from reading music scores to being able to read P and L's and balance sheets. I raised some money. I did an SBA loan. I learned a lot about how, businesses operate because previously I really wasn't in the operational part of the business. I was the generating of content part of the business. So I wasn't dealing with AR and AP and raising money and doing with banks and, you know, interest rates and all of it. This is, this is with my wife and uh, she had some assistance in the office was we're doing. So it was a transition into business, but with that, there are challenges. First of all, it was a family affair. So it was my wife and myself and my brother and his wife doing this together. And uh, I won't get way into the de details, but um, it's not easy to do a family business for a lot of reasons. Uh, the most, I think the, the biggest profound lesson out of that was, is that um, there were, there were imbalances between my brother's side and my side that as a brother, I really tried to compensate for structurally, financially, spiritually and um it ended up creating imbalances that were very hard to um reconcile particularly with the wives and this is very common with brothers who go into business together i think this happens quite a bit in fact when i was doing my podcast small business america years ago i interviewed someone who who actually teaches family business and i believe they were in minnesota they had a center for family business and that's all they do is teach. So these are challenging environments. They either really, really work or they're really, really uh, can be very painful in various ways. Now, at the end of the story, we did get out okay. And everybody's talking to each other. So it's okay now. And we really, my brother and I weren't, didn't have problems, but it was structural really more than it was personalities. That was um, the deciding factor there. Um, and also I, I mentioned a little earlier, I'm profoundly gifted at finding um, uh, not good. It's very hard to find good retail locations in any retail business. And it's very challenging to run a food operation period. You're dealing with a lot of, we had about 30 employees. You're dealing with a lot of employees. Many of them are, you know, not college educated or um, just of a, of a nature where they're really just there as an hourly mentality. I wasn't used to dealing with that kind of person. I was working with advertising agency executives, creative directors, brand managers. You know, it was a whole different strata of the economy. And with that, the quality of the people can sometimes be very challenging to deal with. So those were challenges that I encountered and had never encountered before. And I didn't enjoy it so much. So I'm, I'm glad I'm back where I am now, you know, dealing with sort of a more professional type of clientele and a more professional type of, of um, uh, contractor or, um, uh, you know, our leadership team, which is absolutely fabulous. So that was a long answer, wasn't it? It's fine. Now, now, what is your best advice to the audience for walking with purpose and living a life of happiness? Ooh. Okay. So... 
my advice to an audience who uh, about this subject is, um, and, and you understand this about, you know, me a little bit now, you know, I always was someone who followed my passion. I mean, who, who learns how to plays the drums and then makes that their living. It's very, everyone will tell you, you'll never make it as a musician, right? Particularly of the baby boomer generation and maybe generations. There's always, there's that little voice from the parents. Now I didn't have that voice from my parents. They completely allowed me to do what I wanted to do. They also didn't push me to go to college. So there were pluses and minuses to the way I was brought up by my primary family. But in my case, I really made use of that and pursued exactly what I want. And I'm very lucky and very blessed in the fact that for the most part and most all the chapters of my life, I chose what I wanted to do and followed it. Now, not everyone can do that for a variety of reasons. I think I described one of the reasons I'm able to do it is because the voices in my head that were laid as the foundation from my parents were always of you can do anything and, and go for it. It was there was never a sense of having to follow in their footsteps to fulfill the dream they had that they never fulfilled for themselves, you know, sort of the surrogate child sort of thing. Um, there was never a demand on moving in a certain direction, whether it was economically or educationally. And that's a big tabla rasa that not everybody could handle, but in my case, it worked for me. So some of this was just serendipity for me. And that's hard you know, how do you give people advice about what they're born into and how, what their previous conditioning conditioning is and how that might affect the, the decisions they make through their life. Um, and today I'm, I practice, uh, and, and look, I did music and that sounds really sexy and wonderful, but there were absolutely times during my music periods, uh, that part of my career where I was probably not entirely satisfied with everything that was going on all the time. That's a business with a lot of stress. You have um, nightmare clients. Sometimes, mostly, we're very lucky. So you do have to create this sort of separation and this capacity to for infinite patience and um, a capacity to detach a certain amount. So today I practice, uh, and this is a relatively recent thing, uh, but as I started this company, I started practicing TM, which is one of the many ways people meditate. And when I started practicing meditation, it really, I began to develop uh, a profound sense or the capacity to detach from what is going around me and from the inputs that people feel are coming at us. It, it, I began to be able to become the observer much more readily and it's helped my management. It's helped me grow my business. It's helped me tolerate and, and cope with the everyday ups and downs of misalignment from our passion and our purpose. And we as a team, not just me, but in a Socratic sort of way, we constantly talk about what is our purpose here? This is because the five founding members of my team, we all have that work-life integration. Many of them are musicians as well, as it turns out. Not all. Uh, one was a life coach for many years and still does a little bit of that. He runs my uh, the, the audiobook part of our business. Sean runs the uh, podcast side, and he's a composer, and he's still active as a composer, even though he's full-time with us, which is absolutely spectacular. Um, everyone had run. Everyone on my team has run their own small business. Jay ran a publishing business. Erica ran a, a, a virtual assistant business for 15 years. Um, so... There's a sense of purpose that we all bring to the collective purpose that Autovita is now expressing in the marketplace, if that makes any sense. And we believe that our customers and our clients feel that, that energy that we create when they work with us. So there it is. Is that helpful? 
Yes, sir. Absolutely amazing. Now, do you have any last words for the audience? Well, my last words are, um, this is going to sound a little bit pluggy, but I'll do it anyway. Cause you know, when you, when you come on a podcast, you, there's a little bit of an energy exchange. Uh, we at Autovita studios are available to uh, talk to you about if you're contemplating publishing your, your own book and you want to take it into the audio market, the audio market's been exploding. It's a wonderful place to uh, then ex re-express re and re-purpose uh, the content you wrote in manuscript. Uh, so we do that for authors and for publishers and worldwide, and we're good at it and we're fun to work with. And as a, you get a feel for me from this call, uh, from this podcast. Um, the uh, So that's that. Uh, Podcast-wise, again, we're all about helping you get your message, your voice, your purpose into the world with podcasting. So if it's something you'd like to do, you can absolutely go for it. Thank you. Uh, you're on the fly doing quotes. I love it. Um, dwolf at audavita.com is my email, or you can go out to the web website and just kind of, uh, yeah, there it is. Thank you. I love it. Is that where the audience can find you? Yeah. The audience can find us somewhere in, in a digital form on that website. And then, and then myself or one of our team, usually Jay and I are taking, we're talking to people about their projects, about their visions, uh, for their podcast or their book, their audio book. So incredible ladies and gentlemen, make sure to check out David on all of his social media platforms and his websites as well. And David, thank you for being a guest on the walk with me podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Gigi. Great to be with you. Likewise. God bless.